Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another awesome episode of Market Impact Insights. You know, today, it's so pervasive. We're thinking about health and wellness. We think about our own personal health and wellness, um, which is top of mind. But what about organizational health? The companies that we work with, we work at, what about checking the pulse and the health of those organizations? Why does that matter? You know, it's interesting to take a look at business performance. The global consulting firm McKinsey has developed an organizational health index. They've taken a look at companies around the globe in measuring their uh, health levels. And what's really fascinating is that the organizations that measure healthier have achieved up to three times the total return to shareholders. They've achieved two times greater return on invested capital when compared to companies that have lower measured health. And those healthier companies have also achieved as much as as an 18% increase in their earnings. So those are pretty eye-popping in terms of increased performance tied to health. Just some other data points in terms of what is the true cost of not having a healthy organization? 17,000 per employee per year is the cost of operational inefficiencies, $550 billion. That's the amount that U.S. businesses waste every single year due to either a loss in performance or productivity. And 14 hours is the average per week that is wasted getting to the impactful insights in business data. So there is so much room to improve the organizational health and the direct relationship to increase business performance. And I'm really excited to dive into this whole topic of organizational health with my guest, Matthew Schmidt. And Matthew is the founder and CEO of PeopleLogic.ai. PeopleLogic connects to all the software tools where work actually happens in businesses and work with those organizations to surface the truth in the data that they have to make their teams more effective. So we're going to talk to Matthew about how organizations can transform their health and what that means for their long-term success. Matthew has a tremendous track record of success as an entrepreneur. We're going to dive in and and understand some of the key learnings and some of his successes leading into his current role and really just share best practices that can help businesses achieve their objectives over the long haul. So all the way from North Carolina... Matthew, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Thanks for having me today, Dan. Very excited. So I'd like to start out and kind of go back and looking at your career, you've had this strong entrepreneurial spirit in founding and growing different companies. And I'd love to to understand where did your original inspiration to be a founder, to really be an entrepreneur, where did that all start from? Uh, that's a that's a great question. I think I was uh, I was building websites maybe when I was twelve or thirteen, and uh, in you know in those days we 
there wasn't a computer in every home and there wasn't, uh, we didn't have cell phones that uh, had more power than the, you know, the systems that took us to the moon in the sixties. Right. It, uh, so, you know, I think that my family's always had a strong work ethic and entrepreneurial spirit. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, I think that was in my genes and, uh, I've always been driven to, to build things and to, to start businesses. And uh, I think this is just a, an ongoing natural extension of that. Yeah. And, and it sounds like there's just this hands-on component too, right? Of just like mm-hmm. rolling up your sleeves and just tinkering mm-hmm. and just, uh, you know, so there's that, that aspect of it. Absolutely. You know, my, I'm an engineer by trade, a computer engineer and electrical engineer and self-taught programmer. And so, you know, it has always been uh, very hands-on and, uh, you know, I wasn't always a, a business leader uh, and, and manager of people. And so, you know, that part came much more by, by happenstance than, you know, being a, being a developer and, and builder. And so, you know, it's a, it's always an ongoing uh, learning experience for me to continue to be a better leader and to, to grow healthier organizations. That's right. And speaking of building, before your current role at PeopleLogic.ai, you did successfully build, you grew, you profitably exited your last venture. What learning did you take from that prior experience and how has it impacted your leadership approach today at PeopleLogic.ai? Great question. It's a uh... You know, that last experience was one that ran for, you know, 15 plus years as we bootstrapped that business to a successful exit. And uh, I think at the end, we had north of 50 people that had come on the journey with us. And uh, it was a great exit for us and, and an exciting time. And, you know, along the way, we we did a lot of things right, but we also did plenty of things wrong. And I think the, the one of the biggest learnings is that you know, it's okay to make mistakes uh, as you're growing your business. And the real trick is to avoid those fatal mistakes, right? You have to, you have to make mistakes to learn and to grow and to continue to iterate and to course correct. Um, and, you know, those very often will take a lot of different shapes. And it's uh, the big learning there is it's okay to make those mistakes. Just uh, watch out for the big ones. And, it's one thing, you know, I think as a founder to apply that to kind of your own uh, kind of mental optimism and, and continued improvement. But in translating that to your employees, was there was that something where you kind of had to uplift them? So as as the mistakes happened, as some of the setbacks or the headwinds were experienced, I mean, how, how did that as a leader, how did you find extending that to support your employees? You know, were there some challenges learning in terms of how mm-hmm. to do that? Yeah, absolutely. And I will be the first to say that that has not always been my my outlook. I think, uh, you know, as I exited my, my last company and had some time to reflect on the, the true learnings and the lessons that made sense and recognizing that building a company is actually very much like riding a roller coaster and, you know, doing it many, 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 many times during the course of a single day. And you know, being able to deal with those ups and downs and those mistakes and the failures and the successes and celebrating the wins and uh, you know, during my my time there, I, I will be the first to admit that I don't think I was always the best at 
acknowledging that these failures are opportunities for, for growth. Uh, but here at, at PeopleLogic with the team, you know, we're very focused on you know, making sure that people understand it's okay to make mistakes and to fail as long as we grow from those and learn from those. But at the same time, we've got to make sure that we also celebrate the wins, uh, regardless of the size of those wins, right? So every day, you know, we make a point of, of making sure that we service the, the small wins for the team to celebrate those and to make sure that everybody understands that, that we're all in this together and that we're growing in the same direction. I like that recognition and celebration. So important just to kind of keep that momentum going, keep a positive mental attitude. And something else that's really powerful, you know, as organizations grow is this idea of mentoring, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in kind of early stages of company, you know, to seek inspiration and guidance. How have you benefited and maybe also paid that forward in terms of your own mentoring of others? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you know, we certainly, as we've grown people logic, we've we've had plenty of plenty of mentors that are advisors to us that are you know help us fill the gaps in the the skill sets that we have on the team, uh, and and give us a a place to be able to talk about the places that we're struggling. Uh, you know, as I was growing and building my last company, my my co-founder was very often a, a mentor and a, and a voice there. And that was, you know, helpful to have as we were growing that company together. Um, as I have continued to grow in my own evolution, mentoring other startups has become a big part of what uh, I truly derive, uh, you know, excitement and passion from in addition to growing a business, being able to pass along some of what I've learned to be able to help people navigate those headwinds to be able to survive the roller coaster uh, and so you know that being able to pay it forward in terms of you know, sharing my experiences helping them you know avoid some of the early missteps particularly at the very early stage as they're looking to build their companies and to to try to get them from zero to one uh, and be able to get it into a place where they can get a product over the hump or, or be able to get it to market in the, the first time. Uh, those are places where I, I really enjoy being able to, to help companies as they're getting started. So because you've got all of this experience with the startup mentoring, I'm curious, are there some current common themes or threads to your conversations? Like what, what, what are some of those? Yep. Okay. I've, I've seen that. I've heard that before. What, what are some of the things that are really jumping out today? <sighs> You know, I think there's a there's a couple of different places, and there are two kind of stages that that I tend to have conversations with folks at. At the, at the very early stage, it's always the the same things, right? They're they're trying to get the that first product built. They're trying to get those first customers. They're um, you know they're they're looking at who you know how do they get to the next stage with enough money to to be able to to keep going. Uh, and those are all at the same stage, and it's it's funny because we we have many of the same problems here at PeopleLogic. We're we're really at that same very early stage of, of building a company. The other stage that we work with people at are our customers at PeopleLogic, where where I have conversations with other CEOs and executives that are using our platform to to get a better handle on their organizational health. The problems they're really concerned about. Right out and attrition uh, among yeah. their team, 
right? We're, we're seeing an unprecedented increase in, in salaries for uh, specialized folks. We're seeing, uh, you know, what I think some people are calling the great migration and, and yeah. people are willing to go to whatever company meets their variety of needs, uh, not always monetary, right? It could be their flexibility in the work, the benefits, the, you know, maybe they want to drive around in a van and, um, you know, live a totally different life, but still be able to, to work at a company that supports them. And so, uh, you know, we're, when we talk to growth companies in this sort of 50 plus employees, uh, those are the things they're really worried about. And how does that connect to the, the processes that they're going through as they're growing their company and, you know, that are contributing to that burnout and contributing to people leaving? So those are, you know, it's it's two very different stages of, of startups that I tend to talk to. And, you know, some there's a very consistent theme among the larger companies that, the, you know, they're very worried about how do they make sure that they, you know, while they have a great culture, that, you know, the companies are growing very quickly. And so how do they continue to, to get out in front of the attrition that they're, that they hear about in the news and that the, you know, continues to have the drug beat around how scary it's going to be, even if they're not currently experiencing a lot of nutrition. Yeah, that is that is so true. And not even just for the startups, but we're seeing what's being coined as the great resignation mm-hmm. impact even those midsize and even those large enterprises, right? It seems to be covering the whole spectrum of the workplace right now in terms of just mm-hmm. personal choices. And one thing that we do hear all the time about startups is this concept of needing to pivot, right? Conditions change in the market, dynamic changes, and then this idea of pivoting. But pivoting actually can come at a cost. It can actually increase stress, right, inside of an organization to do that. What's your perspective, Matthew, around this idea of pivoting? That's a when you sent over these uh these talking points, it was really very timely because I had just written a new uh, blog post uh, on Wednesday about whether is it, is it actually a pivot or is it just a course correction? Right? Because we, when we read about pivots and we hear about startups and companies pivoting, they, to your point, they carry this huge stress and they carry this huge impact to the organization. And certainly there are, there are pivots. Right? There, are, there are true pivots where you're focusing on a totally different market or you're, uh, you've changed direction entirely uh, or you've decided that, you know, maybe you're not going to be a software company. You have a service company that's backed by some interesting software. Um, those are pivots. And in a lot of ways, when you go through those, particularly at an early stage, you don't often come out the other end with the same team and the same structure. And maybe it's not even your passion at the end of the day. Um, But there are lots of course corrections that companies go through that allow you, particularly in the early stages, as you're finding your way to product market fit and you're finding your way to continuing to understand how to grow, that you must go through. You must continue to, to navigate the windy road. And sometimes you double back on yourself and then continue to you know, figure it out again. Uh, and sometimes it's you know, a left turn at Albuquerque and other times you know, it's just a, 
you're mostly going in the right direction, but you, you continue to, to iterate and evolve as you grow. Uh, so, you know, when I talk to the startups that I mentor and to other companies that I talk to, you know, I tend to caution people against using that word pivot, against talking about a pivot, unless that's really what we're going to do. Because once you pivot, there's no going back to where you were before, right? You yeah. have to be yeah. committed entirely to getting to that next stage. Yeah, and actually, one of the hardest things sometimes is just staying the course, right? Because sometimes there's this gravitational pull that says, well, if if we change, if we pivot, whatever we want to call it, the the act of just doing something differently sometimes can say, hey, bring better results because we're going to try and do something different. But sometimes kind of weathering the storm and and not changing course can be the right call. So is it, that's really something that's probably just acquired with experience, right? Of just having that making that right judgment in terms of when to hold course and when to enact course change correction. Yeah. And I think it's important that you don't operate in a vacuum. Uh, you know, we, we've been through a couple of those different stages over the last two years of, of building this company. And, you know, we, we felt that we needed to make some course corrections and some changes but then didn't have enough of the, the feedback to be able to judge whether that was necessarily the right choice. And, and so then a lot of times, you know, you find yourself back to kind of where you were before. Um, and so, you know, it is absolutely important that you, you have that feedback loop in place from advisors and mentors and ideally customers and prospects to, to understand whether you have enough you know, whether your choice on the next step is the, you know, at least going to keep moving you forward. Well, obviously there's been significant changes and disruption out in the market brought on by the pandemic. Uh, and I'm curious as to what you've seen in terms of how that relates to organizational health and how leaders have maybe needed to adapt or evolve their approach to business strategy and engaging with their teams, many who are dealing with their own health and wellness and family challenges, right, as we go through this. So what, what have you seen in terms of that dynamic, just in terms of the world changing around us? Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the biggest things is that you, as a leader, you absolutely cannot take what was previously the status quo for granted. You, it's always in flux right now. People that you thought were comfortable and uh, you know engaged and excited uh, may not be right. They may be uh, having you know more challenges at home. Maybe they you know every third day there's another notice from school about uh, you know their kid was uh, exposed to COVID. And so then they have you know now they're quarantining their child at home, and that's you know, while still needing to work. And so these, you know, the, you have to be much more flexible in how you're operating and much more in tune at all levels of the organization or the team as you, as you become, you know, more, uh, a more in tune leader, I think. And that's, you know, one of the things that we're seeing is that the, you know, while we help companies become, you know, 
less reliant on their sort of traditional surveys and, and goal setting uh, and rely more on data and being more in tune with their teams. Um, you know, they just have to be a more uh, emotionally intelligent leader, a more empathic leader, um, being aware of what's going on, not only in the office, but also at home. Uh, and I think that's a, the, with the way things have evolved over the past 18 to 24 months, you, it really is a blended world. You must take the things that are happening at home have at least as much impact as uh, what's happening in the office. Right. And so what you're talking about is really some different innovative approaches to handling the building uh, and strengthening of organizational health. Can you share a little bit more, get it really getting to the meat of some of the available uh, tools and technology of how artificial intelligence and data is specifically transforming organizational health? Great question. So, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is that if we look at how companies are operating today, uh, I, there have been quite a lot of surveys and studies out there that I think even the average, you know, let's take a company that's 50 to 100 employees. I think on average, those companies are using roughly 100 different tools in the course of getting their job done. Right? So a hundred different tools that your employees are interacting with day in, day out to get their work done. Everything from their calendar to their email to Slack to uh, some note-taking software to their task management. And it's impossible at this point to be able to stitch all that information together, to understand the impact on the organization, to understand where people are interacting, to understand you know, how, what impact the work is having on not only the employee that's doing the work, but the teams that they work with and how those, you know, where there are process bottlenecks, where there are inefficiencies, uh, where you have conflict. Because now, you know, whereas in the past, if you were within a company and you know, maybe you had, even if you had three or four different offices, you had people in uh, one location. And a lot of that, you were able to see many things. But today, all that work is being done in the cloud and being done virtually, and people are in 100 different places. And so you, you now lack an ability to, to be able to gather and analyze and make sense of all that, all that data that's being thrown around between these different systems. And so we can use that data now and machine learning and the systems that we have available to us to be able to spot the trends in that information, to be able to surface conflict between two different teams and two different people, to be able to tell us where we have hotspots or anomalies that are out of the norm for how the organization is working, and to be able to guide us on prescriptive and actionable next steps on what the organization can do to make sure that we continue moving along the path of a healthy organization. And are you seeing the skill sets that are required by HR leaders or maybe even functional leaders that need to go hand in hand with really harnessing the potential of, of the data? Have you seen a shift there? You know, I think uh, we're actually seeing a shift in the other direction. So while there's been a lot of 
uh, emphasis in HR leaders becoming more, uh, and, and managers in particular. And, you know, we tend to sell into the executive suite and the people leaders. And, and you know, there's, there is a shift in that those leaders are being required to analyze more data and to be able to build more spreadsheets and dashboards and all that kind of stuff. But what we're actually seeing is a shift the other direction in terms of how they want to operate. They actually want that data surfaced in a simple enough way that all they have to do is look at it for maybe two minutes. And then they want to be told where to pay attention. And then they want to be handed where they need to focus and how to correct it, at least in the context of okay, here are the things that I should be concerned about or that are going right. And then here are some best practices that I could leverage to take advantage of this, where they then are bringing the, uh, you know, the experience and the context of their specific organization to, to bear to solve the problem. Uh, but they, what we're finding is, is they do not want to have to to make sense of the data. They don't want to have to analyze the data. They don't want to have to go down to the, to the data scientist at the, you know, over Slack and ask them kind of what's next, right? How do I make sense of this? They, they want it served up for them uh, in a way that they, that they can consume it, take it into their next meeting and then make use of it and then come back to it again when they, when there's something else they need to pay attention to. Yeah, that's really interesting because I've worked in in several organizations where sometimes um, it, it can be a blessing and a curse in terms of the availability of data where you, you can be so overwhelmed and be swimming in all of this data. And then, you know, the, the proverbial term, you know, analysis paralysis sets in. And so the action uh, really gets bogged down, right? And what you're saying mm-hmm. is there's a bias towards, hey, let's just be pragmatic Let's tap into um, available data, but let's do it in a streamlined way so we can make it actionable. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. It has to be actionable, and it has to. They have to be. They, if you think about it, in a lot of ways, you know, in particular, what we're providing. In you know, this doesn't apply to necessarily all organizations, but we're providing you something very akin to a chief of staff. If you're somebody who's making sure that your organization, that your team is working on the right things, that they're organized the right way, that they're not being stuck. And then when there are problems and places that you need or successes that you need to pay attention to, those are getting surfaced up so that and then giving you those ideas for how they, you know, what you should do next. Uh, And then that allows you to bias towards action. Uh, which, you know, we, in the technology space where we focus, that tends to be uh, a driving force. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So as you look to the future, Matthew, and you think about how organizations can build stronger cultures and just the whole people factor inside of organizations, what makes you optimistic? You know, I, I think that the... The move towards flexibility and the move towards improving uh, diversity within the organization and in, you know, bringing in different personalities and mindsets and, and those things is, is super, it's a great trend. I think that it's making uh, 
you know, if we think about an organization a bit like a melting pot and that we, you know, that the raw ingredients for success come from the people on the team. And I think that if, you know, we mix in a, a wider variety of people into that, uh, into those ingredients, we're going to come up with more creativity, right? Uh, and different ideas and things that are a bit outside, a bit more outside the box that allow us to resolve, uh, to make these course corrections in the, in the organization's direction um, much more fluidly. And so I think that as we look towards the changes that have happened, um, the blending of work and life in a lot of cases, uh, you know, the organizations that are getting it right and paying attention to it are, are going to come out being the winners in this. Um, the ones that are, you know, making it harder to have a, a work-life blend um, and making, you know, where companies are, are burning out because they're, you know, they're working 12 hours a day in addition to dealing with all the challenges at home. Uh, those are going to be much harder to, to be successful. So uh, I'm optimistic about where the future of work is going and, and how data and systems are going to allow companies to be able to take back some of the valuable time that's being spent just trying to do this analysis and trying to get out ahead of these problems uh, and and allow companies to really be focused on on their culture and their people and their growth. Yeah, as you were talking about this blending of work and life and, and balance, of course, the other dynamic that's changed is just the fact that so many of us are working full time in our home offices, right? In a virtual mode. So now that blend of work uh, to your personal life, it's just sometimes harder to maintain that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, there's, it, it, for some people, it makes them far more productive. For others, it uh, it actually has the opposite effect. Uh, and, you know, I there's been a ton of studies about how work from home has been really great for productivity. For me in particular, not so much, um, you know, for and for others with, with families and, and people at home. And uh, I think it, it really varies pretty wildly. Um, but I think this to the... Back to the you know leaders needing to to be uh, more aware of what's going on not only at work but at home uh, and how those are connected and blended together. Uh, you know, I think that's really critical. Sure. So as we start wrapping up our conversation, do you have any final advice for business leaders that are seeking sustainable growth and competitive advantage? You know, I think everybody talks about how their people are their competitive advantage. Um, and I think that that is more true than ever. Uh, I think, you know, for us, what we are always looking at is, you know, how are the teams actually connected? Where is, how are they interacting? Do you have those, those subtle culture carriers that are so important to the, to the organization? Uh, find those, uh, and be focused on helping them grow because they will drive the company forward and they will make your people truly be your competitive advantage. Uh, and they'll help you understand where you, where you have those inefficiencies in the organization and how they can, uh, you know, how to knock those out and get back to, you know, proper growth within the organization. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So Matthew, I want to thank you again for sharing your experience as a successful company builder and inspiring growth leader, as well as just sharing the criticality of improving organizational health. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. I really appreciated it. And uh, thank you for everything. And a reminder to all of you, please continuing to give the gift of feedback. If you like this podcast, please go out and rate and review. You can do that easily on all the major platforms, including Apple and Spotify. And as always, please visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.